I am so glad that you're here. If you're like me and you just want to be the best version of yourself and you want to live a life of purpose and impact, this is your place. We're digging into the words that we can be filled with the truth and promise that God has for each and every one of us. We're committing ourselves to breaking through generational patterns, limited thinking, small thinking, and we're trading those things in for good. We serve a mighty, abundant, and limitless God, and through Him, we are striving and thriving together. If we're going to enjoy this brief life that we're given, we've got to give God something to work with, and I'm going to help you to do just that. Let's get into it. Got a new intro there. Hey guys, it's Barbara Gian at barbaragian.com and a couple of exciting things going on right now. I know I did my first bonus uh, episode, I think it was last week, and I mentioned a few things, one of them being I have a new website. Well, it's not a new website, it's redone, it's updated, and uh, check it out. Go to barbaragian.com and see what I have put together there. And the second other exciting thing is the Always Faithful devotional book launch. We are now in week two and it has gone so amazing. I know on my last bonus episode, I was kind of pouring my heart out about how the enemy was attacking me on that, but that is all lifted off of me now. Thank you, Jesus. And I think this is just the beginning. Honestly, I have big hopes for that. And just thank you all of you who have shared and supported and purchased. Um, just so, so grateful for all of you. Speaking of the devotional, there is a men's version and these are always found in the show notes. You can go on Amazon and I love it because you can just enter my name on Amazon and the three products that I have created, the gratitude journal and the two devotionals, one for men, one for women's will pop right up. So I'm not going to go into that, but the show is brought to you by the always faithful devotional. So there's that. Well, today I have a special guest for you. All of my guests are always special in their own unique way. This is my friend Carrie Foster, and she has a story that I think will touch a lot of you. And she's so gracious to share it with us. Um, You know, whenever we have, I, I guess I'll say tragedy, because this is a tragedy. Whenever we have something like this happen in our life, it can go in one or two ways. It can really mess us up for good or for a long time, or we can take it and really make some powerful, positive changes with it. And that's what Carrie chose to do. That's the route that she went. And I just cannot wait for you to hear her story. So I'm going to shut up and and let you hear our conversation. Here is my conversation with my friend, Carrie Foster. Well, here we are on a Saturday. We're so dedicated, Carrie. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yes, I know I asked you a while back. Uh, we are friends from Toastmaster. And for those who don't know what Toastmasters is, it's it's an international organization that helps people communicate better. Is that a good description, Carrie, would you say? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely been a, a game changer and a life changer for me. Um very much a Toastmaster supporter and champion for it. You've been around for a while though, right? I'm pretty new. Yeah, I started back in 2015. Oh my goodness. And And I had gotten involved in it through work. I had to give a presentation and I was up in front of this group and my face turned beet red and (gasps) I was trembling like a leaf and I could barely get the words out. And one of my professors at the time recommended Toastmasters. And so I thought I'd try it out. And 
for me, it's been just a game changer with how confident I feel with giving presentations either at work or just communication in general with people. It's really helped and given me that confidence to say yes to other speaking engagements like be on a friend's podcast, yes. for example. <laughs> it is. There's so much to it, right? I think that everyone has a story and it's important that we're able to articulate it because our stories get to help other people. And if you keep them in and we don't share them, then we're not really fulfilling our our destiny, whatever that may be. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I I actually asked someone not too long ago if they wanted to be a guest and they were like, no, 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 because I'm stumbling over my words all the time and you don't edit, which I don't edit, but I will if I have to. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. so funny. Yeah, no, I will if I have to, but I haven't had to yet. So it's a good thing. But yeah, I love Toastmasters. I, I have a, okay, let me be honest. The table topics just about kills me every week. <laughs> if I know what I'm talking about, I'm all good. But oh my gosh, give me something that ha- forces me to, or challenges me in a way to kind of make something up on the spot that I have no time to prepare for. <laughs> oh my God. Every week I'm like, please don't call me, please don't call me, please don't call me. <laughs> you don't feel the same way. I still feel the same way. It's, you never know what you're going to get asked. And it's like, you will hear all the other questions and you're like, oh yeah, I want to have that question. And then yes. the question that you don't want, that's for sure the one that they pick I, you for. Oh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Every time. Yeah. So last week was like the crazy topic, extraterrestrial. I'm like, they're looking out, Chris. Not He didn't call me. I was spared that day. Oh my gosh. But I remember the first time that I came as a guest and you and every time we have a new guest, you are always like the biggest cheerleader just with your attention, with your your eye contact. You're always so excited to see a new guest. And I love that because it's welcoming for new people. We need, we feed off of that. Well, I'm an introvert by nature. And I remember I was probably about 23 years old and I was working for this little bank in Solana Beach at the time. And we were having an open house because it was a brand new bank that we had never opened the doors to the public before. And our president at the time, he walked over to us young folks and he said, I want to teach you how to work a party. And he said, I want you to go to find somebody who's standing by themselves who looks lonely and you go and introduce themselves. You give them a tour of the bank and then you come around and introduce them to someone else and then you do it again. And so for me, that's like the introvert handbook. You know, I get to go save introverts at the party, go find them, save them, talk with them, and then hand them off to someone else. And that's like the story of my life since then. That's a good role. (laughs) No, but I love that. And I always notice that about you. And I appreciate that. Just a sweet sweet thing. Yeah, because you're just very much into, you know, the the new guests and making them feel welcome. So good job. Thank you. All right. So you already told about why you joined. One one thing I also noticed that we have in common is our love for similar music, at least growing up. The stories that we've shared, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've, we've brought up some of the music that we've listened to and uh, always love that. But yeah. let's talk about what you do for a living because I don't know. So the thing with Toastmasters, at least because we have an early morning group, is that we come, we do, and then we leave because we all have like work to get to or things to do, right? So we don't really have a chance to really talk much, but tell me what you do for a living and then how long you've been in that field and maybe what led you to that industry. I work in finance. I work in banking and I've been in the banking industry for 
since I was about 19 years old. And oh my goodness. for some reason, I seem to gravitate towards that. I'm in a position now where I work at a bank that's for other banks. So we don't have regular customers that come in. Our job is to support like smaller financial institutions that may not have the financial resources to do things in-house that other bigger banks like the Bank of America's and Wells Fargo's can do. And so my job is I'm an advisor to where I work with CFOs and credit officers and help them with some software tools that help them with some of the, the compliance that banks need to do. And so I get to spend my day building relationships with smaller institutions and helping them problem solve. And a lot of my job now is giving presentations. So I have to make sure that my skills are honed so that I can communicate very complex compliance software IT related things in a way that's clear, that makes sense, and that's helpful for them to understand. And so I feel like Toastmasters has really helped me to get to that level. And then when I'm not on the phone with clients, I get to play in spreadsheets all day and to work in software and do technology and analytical type of work. And so it really satisfies both of my desires for building relationships and being around people, but also get to nerd out on a spreadsheet from time to time too. Oh, you're one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) So 19, Mm -hmm. you decided pretty young what you were going to do. I was working at uh, retail at the time, and one of my friends from the retail store went over to this bank to be a call center rep, and I think it was like an extra dollar an hour more, and she recruited me away from the retail establishment, (laughs) and I got to be a a phone customer service folk, which is kind of interesting because I'm sort of doing the same thing in a weird way now, but I really enjoyed it. They had really good training, and I learned about all the different products and services that they offer, and I got to be of assistance to people. And I feel like that's really my my calling is to be of service and to help people. And I feel like that really fe- feeds my soul, the being of service piece. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, too, too often I hear about people just, I don't want to say hating, but almost not, you know, just really disliking the job that they're in or the work that they do. Mm-hmm. So it's always refreshing to hear that somebody actually likes, enjoys what they do, and you've been doing it for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, recently you shared um, a story. I, I, you know, I mean, I make most meetings, but I was there recently when you shared the story of losing your dad, which I'm so sorry to hear. I know it's it's a a weird thing that happens when you do lose your parent. I don't know mm-hmm. for you, but for me, when I lost each of my parents, it was just I don't know, like this whole shift in perspective and like reflecting and seeing life sort of in a new way, like Mm -hmm. this close part of you is, is no longer physically here. And it just kind of forces you to look a little closer at things. And maybe like you have your mom that you've been a source of support and you shared that you had another loss previously Mm -hmm. that was really traumatic and heavy and you didn't realize it at the time, of course, but this time with losing your dad, it was something that helped you uh, be a source of support for your mom. So I want, and I, I guess you told your your story about the the first loss a a while back and it was on a day that I missed. And Mm -hmm. Tom was actually the one, one of our Toastmaster buddies. He was the one who told me, oh, you missed Carrie's speech, it was really, really powerful and moving and touching. And he just kind of briefed me on it. And so that's how I 
heard of your story and knew that you were open to sharing it um, with others, obviously, and really wanted to to hear more about it, um, what you've gone through and how you've overcome that and kind of where you are now. Well, this happened, this situation happened on New Year's Eve uh, 2017. And my husband and I had gone to the next door neighbor's house for their New Year's Eve party. And we thought it was safe because we were not going to be drinking and driving. We're just going to the next door neighbor's house, right? Yeah. And um, at the time, I may not have known it or wanted to admit it, but um, both my husband and I were, were both heavy drinkers and alcoholism is very rampant in my family. And um, I was very quick to point out everybody else's problems, but I never turned and looked at my own. And um, <clears throat> when we left the party that night, I don't really remember walking home and my husband and I got into an argument and I, it was just like any other night from the most part. It's just that there was some kind of a strange vibe in the house that night and I didn't know what it was or what was going on. And we were yelling at each other. I still don't know what we were arguing about. And I grabbed my pillow, grabbed my phone and I walked into the other room and shut the door and I locked it. And, um, he tried to get into the room and when he found out it was locked, he just got very irate and, um, and really scary. Um, my husband was a very even tempered kind of laid back guy. And the way that he was behaving was very scary for me and I wasn't used to it. And so very quietly, I was calling 911 and kind of whispering, um, into the phone for them to come and intercede with this, you know, domestic disturbance and uh, while I was on the phone with 911, that's when I, I heard the gunshot in the next room. And he started screaming for me to come out of the room. And I was, you know, in shock and, and terrified. And I was wondering, you know, why does he want me to come out of the room? Is he going to shoot me? And I was just screaming into the phone at the police, you know, hurry, he's shooting, you know, please hurry and get here. And then I heard the second gunshot and he continued to scream for me to come out of the room. And as I hear the sirens pulling down the street, I hear the third gunshot and the police pull up and um, not wearing any clothes. I'm wrapped in a sheet and I'm like hanging out the, the front room window upstairs. And the police are like, ma'am, the door is locked. And I said, well, just, I don't care. Just knock it in. Just hurry and get in here. And so they run up the stairs and I'm like hanging out of the room. And they're like, ma'am, just go back into the room. Stay where you are. And I'm screaming at the police, you know, is he okay? Is he okay? Oh and the police officer comes over to me and he, and he looks at me with this look on his face and he says, no, ma'am, he's not okay. Oh, gosh. So my husband took his own life that night and he was 42 years old. Oh, and it wasn't because of depression or PTSD because he wasn't a Marine. And um, it wasn't because of anything but too much alcohol and a bad decision. And it was a tragic, horrible thing. And for me, it was a wake up call for me to realize that this is what can happen if I continue to drink. And I told myself that night that that would be the last drink that I ever take. And I just celebrated five years worth of recovery on January 1st oh of this year. Gosh. Congratulations, I did not know that. And so for me, it's like been a journey for learning how to live differently and to 
really be grateful and appreciate the things that I do have in my life in realizing that there's a bigger purpose for the things that I'm doing. And what I had mentioned in the Toastmasters meeting is that I didn't realize why that had to happen to me at the time. I very much had this victim mentality, like why me and poor me type of thing. But there's been so many opportunities, Barbara, where people have come into my life, either who have lost a loved one or there was a coworker who, whose best friend had committed suicide. And I just felt compelled to reach out to him and talk him through it. And I feel like that experience has made me empathetic in a way to where I can use that experience, however awful it was at the time, but I can use that experience to be of service and to help other people through their, their struggles. And when that happened to me, this was on a Monday and, uh, I have two brothers. My younger brother is also in a recovery program and, he's about to celebrate 20 years of sobriety. And so he's much farther along, even though he's my baby brother, he seems like he's the older brother in certain times, but he, uh, he came out that same day he flew out. And uh, my older brother who lives here locally in Vista, who's still very much in his disease, he um, came to my house later that day. And when I told him that I quit drinking, he proceeded to just drink the rest of the beer in my refrigerator because he didn't want it to go to waste. So very different dynamic. Yeah. And uh, my mom and dad didn't come out until later in the week, which I was very hurt about at the time. Um, But, you know, they had their own reasons for not coming out sooner. But um, this past year, it really came full circle for me where my dad passed away and he had had a stroke the year before and was you know, he's also one of, like me, an alcoholic, but not treated to where I can see sort of the behaviors that go along with that. He had the stroke and really wasn't willing to do what it took to get better. And so he just kind of sat in his his disability and just sort of wasted away for a year. And I had to watch that happen and it was mm-hmm. tough. But after he passed, it finally came full circle why I had to go through what I had to go through because I was there to be there for my mom on the day that it happened and to help her through the emotions that come with losing a spouse and how that, how you feel like the emotions that you go through. So the sadness, the anger, the bargaining, like all of those stages of grief. And for me, it was like, this is why I had to go through that. And that was my purpose to go through that is so that I can use that experience to help people. And I feel like no matter what we've gone through, because we've all gone through challenging things in our lives and what we're taught in our society is to like sweep it under the rug and don't talk about it. But I feel like the most healing occurs when we do share our stories and people are like, yeah, I've been through that too. And there's this connection with each other through these shared experiences where we can actually help each other grow. And the thing that happened the night that my husband died is that there was a volunteer who came out from an organization called Trauma Intervention Program. And it's a completely volunteer program where they come out to families who have had trauma, either a loved one passing away or something along that nature. And they just sit with the family And this woman, her name was Andrea. She sat with me for about, you know, 12 hours unpaid as a volunteer. And I've never in my life up to that time realized that there could be someone so 
selfless and caring and compassionate to just do that for a stranger. Right. And since that time, I've been in touch with trauma intervention program, and I've actually been um, asked to speak at their training programs. So they have new volunteers that come out every few months. And so they have a training where they talk about what's involved in volunteering. And I get to go and share my story of how this beautiful angel helped me through a very traumatic time. And that's sort of how Toastmasters has really come full circle for me. At first, it was like, I just want to be good at my job. And now it's about taking those skills and being able to speak my truth and speak what's happened to me in a way that may help somebody else through their difficult time and communicate it in a way that's that's authentic, that's real, that's in a way that it's, it helps to people to connect. And the more that I share that story, even though it's hard every time I do, mm-hmm. it, it's healing for me too. It helps me to heal um, that sadness and to realize that the next person that I help with that story, like each person that I help with that story is a way for me to honor you know, his memory. And so that it isn't just something senseless that happened, that some good came out of that situation. Oh, Yeah. I mean, I'm sad to say the interview I did before this one um, also involved a, a suicide. Uh, my, it was a friend's sister, and mm-hmm. I shared that it must be. I have, I do also have an experience with losing a sibling this way, but um, it ha- there's an extra layer, an extra sting, I would say, to mm-hmm. this kind of loss because it is, you know, something that was um, intentional by the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we never really know for sure what's going on in the minds and souls and spirits of people, but we can, you know, you lived with him. This was your husband mm-hmm. and you knew him well, and you did not see this coming. Mm-hmm. And it's such a shock and a mixture of emotions. Right. And so for however long as it took you, what did you find the most helpful to help you process through that grief and to just get through each day after that? What I found for sure that it wasn't is to try to figure it out by myself because that (laughs) did not work well at all. Um, Building a fellowship, building a community, reaching out for help, knowing that I needed help. My younger brother, uh, the one who's also in recovery, he encouraged me to to go to a counselor, to go to grief counseling, which I I did. And it was very helpful. Uh, I still go to that same counselor, not for grief anymore, but just for life situations Mm. that... Um, that when I need it, and I don't go as often as I used to, but I still have that that lifeline in case there's something that's going on that I need. I think to we all need else. that, like on a regular basis, right? Mm-hmm. As needed, absolutely. And uh, you know, part of my recovery program is to you know attend meetings, to build fellowship, to be of service, and to help other women through you know their steps. And that's what I try to do now is to to be of service to other people because that's really what's filling that emptiness that was in my heart before to where being around people and helping other people is a way to, to help with the grief. It's a way to make it, it's senseless, but it, it makes it so that it's not for nothing and it's not in vain. Yeah. My husband says the same thing about being in recovery, that just being of service to other people is probably the the most important thing for him staying sober himself. Mm-hmm. And it's, yep it's always better to give, right? And if it's it's fulfilling for you and satisfying for you, but it is also part of your therapy and 
your own recovery. Yeah, there's days where I'm just wound up in my own head or in my thoughts and I'll either go to a meeting or I'll reach out to somebody in, in recovery. And it's just amazing. I went for a walk this morning with a, another girl that I've recently just met, but I, I had a connection with and we had just an amazing time talking about, you know, our upbringings and our the way that we were raised and how that's affected us and how we've had to sort of unlearn some of these behaviors because, yes. you know, I mentioned before that my dad was an alcoholic, but my mom was, you know, they call him an, Al- an Al-Anon to where she sort of enabled mm-hmm. him throughout that time. So she was at, at a time when it wasn't just stay-at-home moms at that time in the 60s. It was like women are getting into the workforce. So she had to take on all of these roles. She had to be a mom to us. She had to take care of the house. She had to still work full time into where she she's spread very thin Whereas my dad was just go to work, pay, bring him a paycheck. And that's kind of all he really contributed. Mm-hmm. And there was not really a lot of emotional support from either one. And so going through all of these things, it's like I'm, I'm learning to empathize and put myself in her shoes. It's like if I was doing all the things that she had to do or was responsible for, you know, what society said that she needed to do, you know, you have to be a mom, you have to do this, you have to do that. You know, how would I feel? Would I, would I have felt any different? And would I have done the things any different? And the answer is no. And so yeah. I've come to a different outlook of my relationship with her, and it's grown exponentially. I feel like going through all of this with, with her losing my dad has been, it's just been eye-opening because I get to let her know what's coming next. It's like, I know that you're going to feel like this, or you may have days when you feel like that. Here's some things that I did that really helped with that. And she's going to a therapist. She's going to a grief counselor. She's going to a grief group. She's reached out and joined a garden club. She's asking some of the people that she likes to go to lunch and she's making new friendships. And she's huge. slowly starting to heal and to build this new life. I mean, she was with my dad for over 50 years. You know, they met when she was 18 years old. And so she's not known anything, any life besides with him. And so she gets to be brave and do things that she may not have ever done. And I get to be there for her and to help her through those things. And to me, that's a gift because that is such a gift. we never had a relationship like this before. And our relationship today is leaps and bounds where it used to be. And so um, I'm just glad that I could be there in that capacity and that, She's open and receptive to my suggestions, and it's been amazing to see her growth along the way, too, because she's had to call doctors and deal with scheduling people to do therapy in a house and having basically doctors or therapists in the house 24-7 for the last almost year was a lot on her uh-huh. to be able to yeah. do. My dad yeah, caregiving is extremely, um, takes a toll on you. So, well, you know what? I give her a lot of credit because I I think especially as people get older, they get more set in their ways. And for her to be doing all of these um, steps that you suggest to her, that's amazing. She's, she's definitely a a doer. I think I get that from her. She likes to be busy. I think it helps to not kind of sit with your emotions if you're busy getting things done. So she's been filing the paperwork that she needs to file. She's been you know, getting things transitioned over for my dad's name and getting the car registration done, like all of these little administrative steps, but she's checking them off one at a time and, and just 
keeping herself busy to where she's not just sitting with her grief and she has bad days and good days, Mm -hmm. but she's managing through it. And I'm just, I'm happy to see that she's, she's healing and it's going to be a slow heal, but she's healing. Yeah. I remember after my husband died, I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, I told her, I said, you know, Hey, I, uh, I had a horrible experience today. I, I broke down in the middle of Walmart. I just started crying oh. for no reason. And she looked at me. She's like, oh, honey, that's the least embarrassing thing that's going to happen at Walmart today. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> We're talking about Walmart, Carrie. Come on. <laughs> so I want to, I have a couple of questions that I've sure. Um Going back to when you talked about your upbringing and your parents not really being as emotionally available as maybe Mm -hmm. we would like to for them to be, especially when we're kids, we need that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we can hold grudges. We can blame and point fingers later on because it's hurtful. Mm -hmm. And I had some of that growing up. I had a lot of that. My mom was in her addiction and was just, you know, she was such a loving mom and was functional. I, I never knew for a fact that she was using drugs. I knew she drank, but she just always seemed to be like to keep it together on the outside. Mm -hmm. And my dad was in the picture, but it was, it was like, we only if we went to him. So Mm -hmm. he never intervened when we were growing up with our stepdad and domestic violence. My dad never, in my eyes, rescued us. He never took us out of that. And so for me, there was, there was some um, resentments toward Mm -hmm parents and I you know growing up with my single mom and having so many siblings and we didn't have any money and Mm -hmm. she had a poor choice of friends always around and I I knew her lifestyle was not good but I just I think I was in denial really Mm -hmm. so I blamed her a lot growing up and I was very angry and I treated her poorly and then I lost her and she was only 54 and it wasn't until years after where I became a mom you know to three and just learning about more about addiction and looking at her role differently as a single mom. It's just, you know, one of those things when you grow up, you, you do develop a new set of eyes perspective to have a a better appreciation for things. Mm -hmm. And I've just felt so guilty for ever feeling that way toward my mom, but I was a kid and and those Mm -hmm. I think are natural feelings to have when you're, you know, being raised a certain way, but I can relate to that where you just, you have these feelings towards your parents and then you grow up and you see things differently and you're in a, in a new position with them. Well, I think home. a lot of it's due to expectations too. Like I expected my mom to be a certain way because that's what I thought that mother should be. And so I set this unrealistic expectation of her and I was disappointed when it didn't come through. And through a lot of the recovery that I've been doing, it's like I'm learning to meet people where they are and not where I want them to be. And I feel like that has helped me in my relationship with her because if I reverse those roles and she said, well, a daughter should be like this and you're not that way, you know, how would I feel? Yeah. And so when I think about it that way, it's like, what are the good qualities that my mother does have? You know, maybe she's not the most, you know, emotionally available person and the most affectionate person, but she's very responsible. She makes sure that we always had food to eat. She made sure that we always had, you know, clean clothes and she always took care of the the basic necessities. And maybe that was the best that she was able to do. I found out later that her mom had died at a young age 
And so she didn't really have a mother figure to emulate. And as raising kids, she was an only child. Her Both of her parents were only children. So she didn't have a family support system to really show her or to help her through um, raising children. There was no Google back then. Mm-hmm. So how did she, what kind of resources were even available for her to learn how to be that mom? And, right. you know, just kind of putting myself into that and in from that shoes. But when I see my mom now, I, as much as sometimes her, the things that she does upset me or irk me a little bit, my first question when I see her is what I, what can I do to help you? Mm. And that could be, you know, taking out the trash or helping her clean out the garage or helping her um, hang pictures on the walls, whatever that may be that I can be of service to her. That's what I do because that's what I'm able to do. And the fascinating thing about that is that when I stopped putting expectations of her on how she should be and then being angry that she wasn't, and I approached her just at a place of acceptance of, hey, this is who you are and I love you, her attitude towards me started to change. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, it almost, it's almost like it, it has to, like it just natural response. It's like a switch. It's like maybe the maybe the problem with our relationship was with me the whole time. <laughs> you, Carrie. <laughs> maybe All I'm you. the problem here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very humbling experience too. It's well, like, oh, our well. response to, to things and to people, to situations, I mean, that determines so much, almost everything I would say. Mm-hmm. Just your reaction, your response. Yeah. Wow. Well, so when you went through your own period of loss and coping and and processing through that. What did you, or did you notice anything about the way people in your life at the time, maybe friends or coworkers responding in a way that maybe you wished would have been different or, because it seems like, it seems like such a difficult thing to, I I don't know, bring up or be there. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely some things that I really appreciated that people did. And there were some things that I definitely did not appreciate that people did. I had one coworker who we were close, but not super close at the time. Um, She came to my house. Well, she called first and asked if she could come over. She came over. She brought a bag full of like a Costco size bag of paper towel, toilet paper, dinner for the night, set everything on the counter, gave me the biggest bear hug. I could ever ask for told me she loved me and left and that's it it was beautiful because there was nothing that she could say yeah. in that situation that was going to be she couldn't fix it by what she would say but just knowing that she was there and caring meant so much to me on that day and so I think that was really important and we're still excellent friends to this day because of it so I think that the people who are meant to be in my life who really truly did care those people um, made themselves present loud and clear. Those who were either um, friend, like superficial friends, I guess would be a good term for that. Uh, they disappeared from my life really quickly. Um, there was a guy who my husband considered like his best friend who didn't even show up for his, his funeral Aww. service. So it just reminded me of sort of what, like who the true friends were and who they weren't. Um, there's another coworker who, on the flip side of that, 
came over uninvited and proceeded to just grill me with questions like she was trying to like oh my like a reporter like oh so did David have PTSD oh you know was he depressed and asked me all these questions it's like oh my you know I think you need to leave and so I that severed our our working relationship for quite a while we didn't talk for a long time we're on speaking terms today but I feel like you know it was it was overkill and over the top and just not welcomed and um I just yeah. wasn't sure how pure her intentions were that day. And so that to me was something that I didn't appreciate. But I think that the people who were there for me are some of the most amazing friends that I have today because they really truly cared and showed me that they cared in their actions. Yeah. Well, I like your example of the friend who just brought the stuff and, and went on her way. And mm-hmm. sometimes we just need to have a presence mm-hmm. without feeling like we have to say something. Right? Just- yeah. Being a good listener, just being there as a source of support and love and whatever else. But yeah, I, and I, that's something that I've had to learn because I think a lot of people feel like obligated or pressured to say the right thing or the perfect mm-hmm. thing, but you don't have to. You can just be there and just... A hug says a lot. A hug. Yes. And I'm a <laughs> hugger. So watch out. <laughs> oh my God. So now talk about life today. So how's everything? How are you? Um, what major like, changes have come about in your life? Oh my gosh. Everything. <laughs> oh my God. I, I've basically done a 180 on my whole life. Wow. Um, I switched jobs. I was working as a, a senior executive at a credit union up until... Um, the end of 2021. Yeah. End of 2021. And I just, it wasn't for me anymore. The, the reasons for the, the job that I was doing didn't exist for me anymore. I wanted to be more in a role where I was helping people and not sitting in endless meetings that really didn't seem to go anywhere because I felt yeah. that's what I was end up, ending up doing. I hate those dumb meetings. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I had the opportunity with this new job to work remotely, which has been great. Oh, I can nice. work from anywhere. And especially after my dad had his stroke, I was able to go down there and be in Texas or Florida, wherever wow. they were, and work from their home. And that gave me so much flexibility as far as being available for my family. And so that was really important for me. And um so career, complete career shift. I did move. I bought a home about two years ago now. And um, it was the first time I've ever bought something for myself. Wow. And um, that was a big step. And uh, this past year, I got into a new relationship. And so I've been dating someone for Aww. just over a year. And He's a both- cutie. I see him on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both in recovery together. And oh, wow. we're, we're navigating this life just living things life to the fullest and just being grateful for every single day. And I'm sure you have so much more of a grateful spirit today. Absolutely. There's so many things to be grateful for. There's this beautiful woman who I know who talked about um, gratitude as a tool. And I didn't understand what she meant at the time, but she um, has this box that she has. It's a gratitude box where at the end of every day, she'll write a couple things on the, the list, on a piece of paper or a receipt or whatever it is about something great that happened that day. And her and her family throw all of this gratitude into this gratitude box. Oh, and that. so when she's having a really crappy day, as we all have from time yep. to time, mm-hmm. she'll reach into this box, grab a handful of gratitude and just read those to remind her of what amazing things have happened. And it completely she shifts her her attitude and perspective, because there's really so many 
things to be grateful for every single day. And sometimes right. we just need to put them front and center again. Oh my gosh. Every day. If we just pause for just a few seconds or a few minutes and take note of every day. Yeah. You can find something. You can find multiple things every day. The interesting oh, that. thing that she says is that her and her family, every New Year's Eve, they pull, they dump everything out of the box and they read them to each other. And the whole, yeah, I, I actually did. I did that. I have a jar. Mm -hmm. I, I stopped putting into it because now I just do like a journal every day, but I had mm -hmm. that and it's, yeah, you see a whole year's worth of just abundance and blessings and mm -hmm. good things because that's all you're putting in there. Well, you definitely, things. your attitude will reflect where your thoughts are and vice it versa. Will. Your emotions reflect where your thoughts are. And so if I'm having a bad day or if I'm struggling, I have to pause and think like, where, what am I thinking about? Like, where are my thoughts? And if I can shift my thoughts to something positive, then my, my emotions and my attitude shift with it. And so it's, it's interesting to be able to pause and just not react to situations, just being able to process through them in a way that's helpful, that's healthy and uh -huh. not just reacting to the the things with life that hey if this isn't working out for me it just means that there's something else over there that that is for me yeah and not trying to force a situation just because it's what I want but maybe there's there's some other place where I can be of better use and yeah just to be open to that just and having that awareness alone is key mm -hmm. you're always aware and, and it is okay to have those down funky days we all have them but it's, it's staying there too long where it's like, okay, I need to, I need to shift a little shift here because this is not me and this is not healthy or good and it's not going to turn into anything good. So just being aware and taking note and then making whatever shift or adjustment you need to make. The other thing too, is to just keep in touch with people and to, and yes, to reach out. Connection, right? My boyfriend does this thing every day where he sends out these like daily affirmations to probably like 30 or 40 people. Oh, and it's probably more than that now. Girl. <laughs> and he sends these out and the responses he gets some days are like, this is exactly what I needed to hear wow. today. Thank you. And the thing is that most people don't reach out to each other. Like rarely is there, you know, the text that he sends out may be the only text that that person gets that day. Yeah. And just to know that there's someone out there who cares and who's reaching out. Um, it's been a, a role model for me to where I'm starting to do that more too, to where I'm you know, reaching out to people and just to check in like, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. And you just never know what people are going through. And if you can use that time, even it's, if it's a couple of people a day, just to reach out and say, Hey, just thinking about you. Um, it's, it's good for me and it's good for them because I may be able to help them through what they're going through. And then if I'm going through a difficult time, I'm more likely to reach out because I'm used to reaching out anyway. And so it's just a shift of perspective, but I feel like this past year, I've really been able to maintain friendships at a higher level because of that contact. And I feel like when somebody pops in my head, that's a signal for me to reach oh, yeah. out to that person. Totally. And there's been a lot of times where they needed someone to talk that day and I was, you know, top of the text list. And so yeah. it's just, it's been really awesome. And I've done the same thing to where someone's texted me out of the blue and I may be going through something and I immediately call them and like, Hey, I needed to. Wow. I need to talk to somebody. Are you free? And it's helped me through some difficult times too. And so I think that as a community, um, as a fellowship, I feel that we can support each other to where we can all benefit from, from that connection and from being present yeah. more because of getting caught up in the day-to-day -day hustle and bustle. Mm -hmm. It's just, you got to pause sometimes and just connect. And it, I always feel better when I do. 
Yeah. I mean, so many times a week can pass, a month can pass. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to so-and-so. And Mm -hmm. you're right. Like a simple text. And it just opens up that opportunity um, to Mm -hmm. just say hi, or maybe if there's something more going on to talk about it, because Mm -hmm. that's the key connection and staying connected and, and really remembering for so many of us who are working remotely to not stay in the isolation, like get Mm -hmm. yourself out in whatever way you can. (laughs) Toastmasters. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love our group. Yes. It's really growing too. I really like the new folks who come in and I just love hearing icebreakers are my favorite part. I love hearing about the person and I always get something out of it. I've learned so much about not just the people, but the topics that they bring to the table. It's like, oh, Uh I never thought about that. And so it's, it's just an amazing organization and it's not, just about public speaking it's about so much more than that yeah and um guys we don't get paid to promote it we're just we're just big fans over here (laughs) they're like how much they pay you (laughs) we're just big supporters um well this was so nice connecting with you right Mm -hmm. now and um just getting to hear a little bit more about your story and I'm so sad and sorry that you had to go through that, but I'm also so grateful that you were able to find your way through that. And Mm -hmm. now you are where you are in such a better place with your mom and your new relationship and your work, like all around. It just seems like, you know, you're in a, you're in a really good place and you've learned so much through all of your experience and you're using it all for good to serve others and just um, really live a life of intention and purpose. Well, I talk about a lot of times that, that, that I've found peace yeah. and um, I didn't know what that was. And so if someone tried to articulate it to me, I probably wouldn't get it, you know, a few years ago. But if someone hasn't experienced it, I can tell you what it's not. I can tell you that it's not feeling anxious all the time. It's not feeling angry all the time. It's not feeling nervous all the time. It's not feeling uncomfortable in your own skin. It's the opposite of that. Yeah, It's a place yeah. where I don't sweat the small stuff. I and living the life that I'm choosing for myself with, with purpose. And at the end of the day, I, I close my eyes and I, and I feel good and I sleep great. Oh, <laughs> so. oh that's the best, right? Good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta sleep good. Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. Well, that's so good to hear all of that. So beautiful. So I know thank our you. listeners are going to take something from this and um, use it for good. So thank you so much for being here. It was so nice talking to you. And I'll see you Thursday. All right. Thanks, Barbara. See you then. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.